Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for August 10th, 2023. July CPI inches the Fed closer to its inflation target. July's CPI release was highly anticipated since it weighs heavily into the Federal Open Market Committee's assessment of whether to keep raising rates or not, or hold at the current level until next month's FOMC meeting, or even beyond. As expected, the month-over-month change in headline, core, and the super-core readings were tame, which is encouraging news. Despite the year-on-year headline CPI rate rising two-tenths of a percentage point to 3.2%, the core CPI year-on-year rate fell from 4.8 to 4.7%, although still elevated. How does this impact our outlook for inflation? What are the markets saying about the Fed's ability to achieve its 2% inflation target? And what's the likelihood of an economic soft landing? With us today to answer these questions are Kathy Bustancic, Nationwide's Chief Economist, and Scott Murray, Financial Market Consultant. Kathy, Scott, thank you for joining us today. Kathy, I'd love to hear your perspectives on July's CPI report. What were your key takeaways? And what implications does it have for Fed monetary policy? Well, thanks, Brian. Yeah, this morning's July consumer price index report, it was was highly anticipated. And it is significant um, as the Fed Reserve looks ahead and tries to uh, determine whether they need to continue raising rates to become more restrictive or if they can go on hold. What was encouraging is we saw just a team two-tenths increase in both the headline and the core CPI reading. And even when we look at the super core, which is core services less rents, that was also up only two-tenths of a percent. Now, the headline CPI rose from 3% to 3.2, but that was really due to difficult base year effects and comparisons. Core CPI continues to gradually disinflate. So we fell from 4.8% in June to 4.7% in July. Not a massive downward move, but it's moving in the right direction. And that's the good news. And then when we look through some of the details on the good side of the equation, core goods prices actually fell on the month. And that year-on-year rate fell below 1% to 0.8%. So the part of the Inflation story that the Federal Reserve sort of got right in the sense that it's transitory has really been the goods sector. Seeing core goods go back below 1%, this is getting more in line with the pre-pandemic readings. Now, it's still not low enough really to be considered pre-pandemic because then we actually had outright deflation in goods prices where the year-in-year rate would be negative. But nevertheless, very big improvement, especially when we consider at the recent peak, core goods prices were running around 12%. In the details, what we saw is used car prices fell uh, again in July, fell 1.3%. And from a year ago, are down um, quite nicely, down 5.6%. New car prices, a little um, less positive, but still just a modest increase of a tenth year in year, running about 3.5% higher. Uh, but all in all, you know, good readings here on on the good side. The services side, where there was concerns that inflation would continue to be very sticky, that's still playing out to a large degree. But even there, the news is getting better. We saw our core services up 
four-tenths of a percent. And it was really led by continued rapid increases in rental prices. So within the CPI, there's the owner's equivalent rent, and that was up half a percent. The year-on-year rate for owner's equivalent rent still running pretty hot at 7.7%. Now, it's down from 8% at the peak, but that's still running high. But work we have done, some modeling suggests, based on home prices and more real-time rental um, uh, price data, that we should see the year-on-year rental inflation rate slow to about five to five and a half percent by year end. That's going to remove a lot of the upward pressure from inflation, especially even in the core services. So that's really good news. Now, we hope that when we strip out of rental inflation of core services, we also see continued disinflation. That's our expectations, but we do think it's going to continue to be very gradual on that front. What we're seeing is things like motor vehicle repair costs. They're up 1.4% in July and from a year ago up nearly 20%. That and other transportation costs really putting upward pressure on on inflation. We saw airline fares drop 8.1%. Hotel costs down a half a percent, which is good news and uh, maybe surprising to some because with the big travel season, now airfares abroad are higher than uh, and been rising faster than here domestically. But there there has been some reports out lately that uh, suggest that domestically airfares are going to start to turn up again starting in September. So, you know, we we have to watch these trends and be mindful that there's a lot of moving parts here. And even gasoline prices, which were largely flat on the month, next month we're we're bound to see an increase as a measured part of uh, consumer prices, maybe adding two-tenths to the headline number. So I, I would say that overall, these are improving inflation numbers. They're quite welcomed by consumers and by Federal Reserve officials. I think it probably, you know, if they if they're keeping score, like at each of the data points coming in, this would not be one that would argue for a September rate hike, another hike. It supports our view that they are done tightening for the cycle. However, they still have to lean hawkishly. And what's really going to be important is the August CPI and August employment report to determine whether they can hold rates um, steady in September. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate your perspective and the outlook there for the months ahead. So let's turn our focus now on the financial markets, which Scott's been watching very closely. So Scott, tell us, what are the markets pricing in with regards to the future path of inflation this year and next year? And do the markets believe the Fed will eventually achieve that 2% inflation target? Well, Brian, thanks. And thanks for the the opportunity to speak with your audience. And as we've seen with inflation, and Kathy just noted, there's lots of moving parts and timing is sort of everything when you look at the financial markets and we look outward. In general, what we like to look at long-term, you know, obviously a lot of volatility out there. And one of the most noted benchmarks that people use, they call it a 10-year break-even. And there, what they're doing is taking the nominal yield on the 10-year and subtracting the tips, the Treasury Inflation uh, Protected Security. And that's the one where you can buy it and you get an adjustment on the uh, bond versus the inflation that you see over time. When we look at that reading and we go way out, we see, you know, yeah, that the 
the expectation is that we will get under that three uh, level for the S&P, uh, excuse me, for the uh, uh, inflation over that long term. But I know most people are worried about like today. And so what we see there, you know, we can step back one level and talk about the five year. And there we see, you know, expectations, uh, you know, running about two and a quarter to uh, uh, two point six five percent. Now I gave you a range. Why did I give you a range? So there's different elements. I talked about the treasury and the the, the uh, nominal and real yield component, but there's also futures and swaps. There's forwards uh, that kind of play into the whole thing. There, what we see is, you know, in that two and a half range. So yeah, there. I think that there again, we see that modest uh, uh, inflation element, a little elevated. It's not the two that I think the Fed has has tried to talk about and target. However, you know, it is, uh, you know, you know, showing some uh, construction, uh, a constructive elements there. When we get even on the shorter term, that's where we get into the real volatility uh, element where we see different cross currents moving right now. And when we think about inflation, we see sort of, they like to measure it in you know uh, in non seasonally adjusted elements, we you like to look uh, more seasonally adjusted elements. So those kind of add a kind of a nuance to the whole uh, equation that's there. But if we drop down to the two year, we see something around two percent. Uh, that's probably telling us that there is an expectation of some. Uh, deflationary moments. We've seen it with used cars. We've seen it with, with, with uh, autos. Uh, I'm sorry, we've seen it with uh, airlines. You know, at some element, we'll probably see some element even creep into some of the, the housing numbers. When we get back to even one year, then we see it even lower than that. So in the immediate term, to answer your question specifically, the market is anticipating, you know, below two percent inflation uh immediately i think there's some uh element there between uh the uh, cross currents there but you know achieving the goal of the fed to bring it in but at an elevated pace over the long term and i think that's the story here is that you know the the, the era of two percent uh inflation rates uh, is sort of gone. I've, uh, you know, uh, we've t you talk about inflation uh, uh, before in the the last decade, and you can put people to sleep. It definitely has attention, and I think the market it has the market's attention uh, moving forward. A lot different than we saw last decade. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate that. Now, Kathy, back to you. Earlier, you were talking about some of the economic data that you've been watching closely and how it's shown to be very resilient as we enter the second half of this year. And at the same time, you also mentioned that recent inflation readings have softened. So based on that, how do we now view the odds of a soft landing versus a hard landing? Yeah, it is the critical question for the markets along with, and part of that story is, is what happens with inflation. So let me just talk a little bit more about inflation and the role it plays there. Um, Yes, inflation's been um, trending lower, and as Scott said, you know the market's expecting 
um, it to continue to lower and, and generally, you know, around two and a half percent, maybe even a bit lower. Uh, markets haven't been all that concerned uh, about inflation in the sense that they, they thought ultimately the Fed would be able to tame it. And, and generally, that's our forecast as well going forward. However, I think a key difference between you know, our view and maybe some others is that we still think there is a, a hard landing that unfolds there. And that really does require the, the significant loosening in the labor market um, and a slowdown in economic activity to be able to achieve the slower path of inflation. And that's particularly interesting in the light that we've seen if growth actually accelerate this year. So those who are in the camp that we could have a soft landing, and let me be honest, there's certainly um, odds have, have gone up that we could indeed see a soft landing and the Federal Reserve could be quite successful and 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 uh, slowing growth and seeing inflation slow in tandem uh, and avoid that recession. However, with growth accelerating, we had 2% in Q1, 2.4 in Q2, and now it looks like we're soaring above 3% for third quarter GDP. The Atlanta Fed GDP is actually pointing to 4%. And in that scenario, it may require the Federal Reserve to tighten further to be able to slow the economy, slow the labor market, and achieve that inflation. Now, if we continue to see, even if it's gradual, if we see disinflation, then maybe we do get this immaculate disinflation, even though economic activity is quite strong. But my, my concern would be that with the labor market remaining so tight, uh, wage growth continues to run well above a uh, rate that's consistent with 2% inflation. Right now it's running around 4.4%. Not that higher wage growth causes inflation, but that it's a barrier for inflation um, coming back down eventually um, with a 2% handle. So I think you know there's more work to be done um, to, to get inflation lower. What the Federal Reserve is also hoping is that maybe they're done raising rates, but as inflation trends lower, the real Fed funds rate rises, um, and that becomes more restrictive, and even without them raising the nominal rate. Um, so those are things to be considered going forward. Um, and and you know, as I said earlier, the the August CPI employment data will loom quite large. And I think also, you know, how does growth look? as we hand off from the third quarter to the fourth quarter, the handoff from second to third was quite strong. Consumer spending is still buoyant. Um, does that continue as we go into the fourth quarter um, will be quite important. Yeah, thank you, Kathy. That's some good news there. And then we just heard Scott, we just heard Kathy talking about the odds of a soft landing. So turning back to the markets now, what are the markets signaling in terms of a likelihood of a soft landing? And do you see a large disconnect between the bond market and the equity market? Yeah, I think that uh, Kathy really did a nice job talking about the bond market. I'm going to dive a little bit more deeper into the uh, the equity side and then sort of put it together. The uh, LEI, which is the leading indicator put out by the conference board, you know, has 10 different components in it. And the one that's rising the most has been the equity market. The leading indicator talks about likelihood of recession next 12 next six 12 months going forward and it looks at different indicators now there's no doubt there's plenty of indicators there that are looking you know uh, rather dismal and we see a, a large negative sign for that year over year reading which has been consistent with uh, uh, a pending uh, uh, step back in the economy what 
is interesting is that the equity markets are really not in sync with that right now. As they look ahead six months, we see out there uh, expectations rising. We've had an earnings season where uh, expectations were down seven in terms of earnings. They're now looking like they're going to come in down five for the uh, uh, quarterly. This is the second quarter number. And that kind of has elevated a little bit more the thought moving forward. It is important here to have that caveat 2024 is expected a double digit growth in earnings. And I'm not sure that the market is fully at this time digested that kind of hurdle that's being put out there uh, for the market. So the initial signs right now is that the market is sort of ignoring uh, you know, concerns about the economy and sort of moving ahead based on what they're seeing out of corporate uh, uh, America, the bond market's a little bit different in terms of even talking to what Kathy said about how it's sort of having this sort of uh, battle going on in terms of you know inflation coming in, but in a sense you know the yields have been you know we've had a pretty you know good rise. It's been volatile. We're sitting at four percent uh, now, and we haven't really seen some weakness. I would note on the two-year, it's sort of uh, staying. Uh, it's sort of uh, uh, keeping under five percent. So, where in that area, I would suggest that the bond market is giving some uh, some more signs that the equity market is clearly ignoring at this point. Well, thank you, Scott. I can hear the background music starting to fade up a little bit. So let's go ahead and wrap it up right there. Thank you both for your insights on July's CPI report and for providing your outlook on the months ahead. Join us again as we focus on employment and the notable differences we're seeing among the labor market in different states and regions. Uh, Later this month, we're also going to recap the annual economic symposium in Jackson Hole. Subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023 Nationwide.